0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts.
1: Hello and welcome to In Focus Sport from Control Risks, Specialist Risk Consultancy. I'm Alicia Fitterman, an Associate Director in the Compliance, Forensics and Intelligence team here at Control Risks. In each In Focus Sport episode, my colleague, John Brown, the Head of the Forensics Practice across Europe, Middle East and Africa, will sit down with a guest to discuss their views and insights on a range of current themes linked to the integrity of sports. In this episode, John sits down with Nick Iliff the Head of Intelligence at Stats Perform, Control Risk's official partner for the delivery of sports integrity solutions. They chat about the rise of esports and how the coronavirus pandemic has affected the sport, though perhaps not in the way you might think. And towards the end of the episode, they also discuss the question of whether esports could one day be an Olympic event.
2: Nick, firstly, thanks for joining us for the podcast. I know you've got a very varied background. Obviously for us, that made you a perfect choice to enlighten people on the topic. So if we could just kick things off with you, giving a bit of an overview of that background and then specifically your interest in sports and then, then esports.
0: I've got around 15 years experience in the intelligence investigations field. I started off back what seems a very long time ago now in the Met Police as an intelligence analyst, firstly working as a borough analyst, working on your kind of lower level prime types and then moving to counterterrorism command at the Met Police, SO15, working in their tactical unit there. Then I moved over and worked in the Caribbean and Trinidad and Tobago for two years as an intelligence analyst working for a government agency there. And then. Moved back to the UK and took up a role as an intelligence coordinator at UK Anti-Doping, which is the body in the UK responsible for the anti-doping policy and testing and investigations. So that was kind of my move into the sporting area. And I was there for around four years in total. And nearly four years ago, I joined Stats Perform. And now they're head of intelligence in the Stats Perform integrity team. It's great for me because obviously my professional background is in intelligence investigations. But... I'm able to combine that with an interest and passion for sport. And it's been ideal to move into a bit more of a commercial area and a kind of wider ranging sports integrity while within Stats Perform.
2: Can you tell us a bit more about Stats Perform, actually?
0: So Stats Perform, we're a sports technology and AI company. We provide data, visual content and predictive analysis. Some of the world's biggest media and tech firms betting operators and, and professional sports teams. In terms of the integrity team, that's the team that I work in. Our focus is twofold. One internally on the integrity of our data and the staff that collect that data. And then we provide external services for rights holders, governing bodies and international federations. So, betting market monitoring services, intelligence and investigation support, and performance analysis. And then through the partnership we have with yourselves at Control Risk, we're kind of able to offer together that whole range of services, including the Control Risks, Forensic Services, Due Diligence, and that area.
2: Moving on to esports specifically then, so... Let's just start at the most basic level. For people who aren't familiar with eSports or if your exposure to gaming maybe ended in the mid 90s with a Mega Drive, could you give us a bit of an overview of what qualifies as an eSport?
0: There's not one kind of specific definition I would say, but broadly speaking, you're looking at electronic games played competitively with prizes available and spectators watching. As I said, it's it's a very wide range in terms with different sports effectively and disciplines within them. The kind of analogy that I've heard used and I think is useful is something like athletics or track and field where, you know, you have a hammer thrower and the 100-meter runner now, they're both competing within athletics, but there's two very different disciplines and, you know, one wouldn't compete in the other or something like racket sports where, you know, you have a certain number of sports within that umbrella or underneath that umbrella. Obviously, tennis would then be very different to squash and badminton, et cetera. So broadly, I think... Esports can kind of be broken down into certain types. So, some people of the listeners hopefully will be aware of some of these, but first person shooter style games. So, something like Counter Strike Global Offensive, a game like that is one of the most popular esports. And then you have your multiplayer battle arena games. That's something like Dota 2, League of Legends. And then multiplayer battle royale games. So, things like Fortnite, PUBG. And then you have your kind of eSport versions of conventional sports. So something like FIFA, NBA 2K, and then you'd have something like your fighting games, something like the Street Fighter style games as well. So that's a kind of overview. Stats Perform has moved into this eSports space. And we have a partnership with Blast, who are one of the uh, world-leading Counter-Strike Global Offensive, that's CSGO tournament organizers. And we have exclusive rights to provide betting operators with data and video for the blast premiere
2: series so people are betting on esports
0: yeah yeah they are i think that the big three esports in terms of betting are csgo dota 2 and league of legends those three roughly account for 70 percent of the total wagering that they're receiving and pinnacle who are one of the world's leading betting operators they were a very early mover in the esports space i've seen their head of trading talk at conferences and says that Esports is now their third biggest sport in terms of handle after football and tennis. So, you know, not only is the esports industry in general huge, but the whole betting industry is becoming larger and larger as well.
2: What are the governance structures that you would associate with esports and esports competition?
0: This is where I think that certain challenges, particularly in relation to integrity, can come up. Within esports, there's no one overarching governing body or international federation that you may think of in terms of you know, well, one would maybe call a conventional sport like football, athletics or tennis. And that does cause governance issues and somewhat of a lack of regulation that are challenges in the space, certainly from an integrity perspective. The closest example I can think of it, again in these kind of, you know, conventional sports would be something like professional boxing or professional mixed martial arts, where you've got multiple sanctioning bodies and promotions, you know, without necessarily one overarching governing body. You know, and you have different rules and regulations, sometimes depending on that promotion or depending on that sanctioning body. What you do have is the Esports Integrity Commission, ESIC, who are an industry body, and they're doing a really good job of trying to fill that space. Tournament organisers and other bodies within this ecosystem can join. And ESIC provide clear rules in relation to the tournaments that are ESIC approved, education programmes, which is obviously really important. They liaise with betting operators and the betting industry, and they're working with law enforcement as well and putting together cases and prosecutions. They worked very closely with the Victorian police on a, a series of arrests that were made in relation to a CSGO tournament last year.
2: Moving on to the challenges for esports around integrity, I think it's easier to kind of envisage what those challenges are and what I would say are more developed sports. But what are those challenges as they sit within the esports industry? Could you give us a couple of those?
0: A lot of the power and organization sits with the big publishers in the esports place, you know, publishers like Activision Blizzard. Valve and, and, and Riot. And it's key to try and get their involvement in the integrity space. They are not, at the moment, members of ESIC. I know that that's something that ESIC are working on. They work very closely with the publishers, but I think that, that creates a, a, a challenge somewhat within the integrity space. But I think fundamentally esports in themselves are no more inherently high risk from an integrity perspective than other sports that have similar challenges and as with other sports you know the highest risk is going to be at the medium low end tiers of the sport when you look at the top tier of esports you know you're looking at people making a, a serious amount of amount of money the top players if you're looking at that from a corruption perspective it's going to be harder for someone to corrupt those players as the same way it would be if you're you know a top level footballer or a top level tennis player in that way the challenges are the same to some extent there are the issues around match fixing that come up and within esports there are also certain issues around cheating to win it's maybe not as big as a problem as you think of some other sports but the anti-doping side you know You could take concentration drugs, things like Adderall and Ritalin. And then wrapped all around that, I think there is a safeguarding issue as well. In terms of the esports, there's a younger demographic of players and spectators. And I think that kind of just ramps up that duty of care. Obviously, like any sport, there's a duty of care to participants. But I think when you've got a slightly younger demographic, that ramps that up as well. And it's really where those education and prevention policies are key. And and I know ESIC have done some really good work around those education policies and, and, and prevention work.
2: How has the pandemic affected eSports? Has it changed the way that it's being played at all?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. So I think to some extent, it's shone a kind of even brighter light on eSports and made maybe some people more aware of the industry. You know, it's probably easier to some extent to try and uh, react to some of the challenges of coronavirus. But actually, the high-level esports is played in stadia. People will may have seen, you know, huge sports stadiums with people watching big tournaments. Moving some of them to remote players has caused challenges. And some of the big tournaments have, have cancelled in the same way that you know, some other major sporting events have, have canceled. You know, there's specific issues around latency issues across different countries, for example, and servers so if people are playing within a different country you know with a millisecond delay kind of thing can cause a massive issue in in esports where you're looking at you know super fast reaction times i would say that moving to remote playing at home it maybe does slightly increase that kind of risk of cheating you know there are various sort of tools that people can use within some of these esports things like aim bots to help themselves shoot targets although all of the organizers and companies will have put anti-cheating software in play to try and counter this but you know, I think that's still going to be a slightly higher risk as opposed to everyone being in a stadia and having those various integrity policies. And I think there was one quite high profile case that you or some of the listeners may have seen where um, a Formula E driver, Daniel apt was actually dropped by his team, which is Audi Sport, after using a professional gamer to drive for him in the Formula E race at home challenge. He turned off the video and had a professional gamer race for him. He's now been dropped by his actual Formula E team. So there's still been challenges.
2: When they're playing these esports, the ability to react quickly, I'm guessing, is pretty key in somebody's ability to be successful. Can you monitor that kind of thing? And if it's not monitoring people's performance in that way, how do you pick up from a betting and corruption perspective that there's something irregular that's going on?
0: From a kind of what maybe you'd call a performance analysis perspective, I think that's actually potentially somewhat easier in esports because of the huge amount of data that's being collected it's there digitally it's it's not on the basis of a data scout or performance analyst collecting that manually so i think yes that there's potential for that performance analysis side to come in and you know betting markets can be monitored in the same way as one would monitor betting markets or say football or tennis when expected odds can be looked against actual odds and if there's a difference in those odds An analyst can take a look at that and see if there's a reason for that. If there isn't, they can flag it. And then that sort of information intelligence gets shared in with bodies like eSIC, who then could potentially use that information alongside other information to build a case in those disciplinary panels.
2: Is there a place for eSports in the Olympics in the future? And if there is, what would that look like?
0: Unsurprisingly, I don't have a a kind of solid answer for that. I think it is something that the IOC have been looking at and the people within the eSports area. I think on the one hand, you know, you could argue that if there were certain sports in in, in the Olympics, would it push through some form of governance reforms that would be required for that to happen? But then on the flip side, would the publishers be willing to cede some control of their titles to the IOC in these areas? I think it's been reported and I think the IOC have been quite clear that they favor the kind of electronic versions of existing sports, so something like FIFA or NBA 2K, which aren't the most popular esports in terms of these big events, or in terms of betting, so potentially it could be something that comes up. And I think conversations will continue to be had. I think also the IOC has concerns about any esports which involve what would they would see as the more a more level of violence, for example, in terms of a kind of first person shooter style game or, or a battle royal style game. That's probably something that doesn't sit comfortably with them in terms of bringing into that Olympic sphere this has been out in the press, that they're looking at running what they've called virtual and connected events prior to Paris 2024 and possibly in parallel. So they wouldn't be official Olympic competitions, but they'd kind of be brought into that Paris 2024 landscape. But I think the reality is you'd be looking at more electronic versions of conventional sports in that area as opposed to some of the other esports that we mentioned.
2: Thanks, Nick. That's really, really interesting. I feel that I've been educated and enlightened, and I'm sure the people listening will have the same view. So thanks a lot for coming and speaking to us today.
0: Thanks for having me on, John. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.